You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday, and we'll start our conversation with Heidi in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, Deaconess Heidi Gaiman, author of Emotions and the Gospel, our regular guest here on Mental Health Monday. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. Emotions and the Gospel, moving into the next chapter on this Monday, November 14th, all about emotional process. Mm -hmm. I feel Um, like this is the section that people really have been waiting for. At least that's the message I get when I go out and talk about emotions is people want to know what to do with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do I do with these emotions, especially the strong ones? What do I do with them? And why? Why are we so concerned with what we Mm -hmm. do with them? Mm -hmm. Can't they just be? <laughs> oh, sorry. That was a Good deep topic. philosophical question. Yeah, All right. So, good. why, why process emotions? Does it have anything to do with health and well-being, or is it just because we need to feel like complete? Oh, right. Well, there's so many reasons that we would never make it through this entire podcast or radio episode if we touched on them all. But I will touch on two in particular. One is related to what we've studied so far, which is we're made for that. We're made that way by God, that the emotions are not something we invented, right? Or that we came up with or that we, in our sinful condition, created. Instead, emotions are something given to us as a gift. And certainly they can be erratic at times or frustrating. And we have emotions about our emotions, like we talked about, but at the same time, they have value. There's value in not only how I experience them, but their existence through God. And so I want to engage with them in that, in the same way that we want to engage with nature or we want to engage with the things that God gives us, his word and his people. We want to engage with the gifts that God has given us in our body as well. And the Holy Spirit being present in our body also is, I think, another aspect of that, that we when we engage with our emotions and access what's going on inside of us, then we are able to hear from the Spirit in a different way or have the Spirit present in those things instead of kind of ignoring that spiritual presence in our life in certain ways or in certain aspects of our life. So that would be number one. Just God designed us that way, whether we like it or not. We should process emotions. Um, And God is, you know, very so often movement-oriented. Like he's creating movement in our life in restorative ways. He's creating movement in our life in his work and in the kingdom of God. And he creates movement within us, in our systems. And so emotions are part of that. The processing aspect of it is that they're meant to, to move. They're meant to go somewhere, to be shared between you and I, to be shared between us and God. And also, you know, in that connecting fashion that's part of why I wrote the book. And so that's um, section one of why process emotion. Section two does have to do more with our health and well-being that because we were made that way, if we don't allow them space for processing, whether consciously or subconsciously, 
they will try to process themselves in our bodies, if you will, in ways that makes them noticeable. Pain, you know, chronic pain in particular is exacerbated by emotional unprocessing or stress that is not dealt with in our body or isn't acknowledged. Different inflammatory illnesses are also exacerbated by our lack of emotional processing. Shame does any number of things in our body then also for our mental health, right? We have negative self-talk that we're not aware of and the emotions that are go unprocessed feed into that or exacerbate that. Um, I could go on and on and on, (laughs) but our bodies are deeply impacted by the things that we hold inside of them and we are served really well when we let those things have space and movement like God ordained us to do when he created this vessel, this body that I live in. So is emotional processing something that we have control over or that happens to us? Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, I think it's both and, which is always a good place to find God active, right? That he's He's working in both those things. It's it's a mysterious thing. It's also some things that we know concretely and understand. There's stuff being revealed to us through research and and that too. It's one reason why I dug into scripture about it is because I, I just wanted to know more about it. And scripture is very descriptive of the human experience. And the presence of emotions in God helps me be able to rest in that mystery a little bit because I'm not going to understand God's emotions. <laughs> Even when I think I can begin to understand my own and then come up short, right? And so, yeah, knowing that that emotional process happens on its own to some degree. Again, our systems are made for this. And just like breathing happens without me thinking about it, some emotional processing happens in that way too. Emotions are are deeply related to our senses. And so we sense emotion in our body. Some emotions have more objectivity to I know researchers talk a lot about the emotion of hope, which I'm deeply invested in from my research on hope as a, a much more cognitive process that we, you know, we root through, we have beliefs about, and we like move toward them intentionally. At the same time, there's definitely times in our life where we have a deeper sense of hope. So that's the emotional component of hope that we're talking about. Other other emotions are like that too. And so some of them are more objective than others. And some, I think there's things we don't have words for, right, in our culture that our body is processing without us. Thank goodness. Thank you, body. Thank you, God, for creating a body that can do the work that I don't even understand. That's a really cool thing, I think, to know. So we can rest in that. And I invite the listener to rest in, hey, to some degree, just like everything else, God's got this. He's taking care of that. And I don't have to worry too much about it. Instead, I can just simply be in his presence and take a deep breath, you know, in his refuge and in his salvation for me. And so then, though, there is that intentionality to processing that that conscious that's involved in our emotional processing that serves our mental health well. Just like when we have awareness of a relational concern I can now deal with that relational concern and have conversations that serve us well and work toward some restoration, some redemptive things within that relationship like forgiveness and and better communication. I need that in my emotional life too. So when I'm aware of the emotions within my body, that's the beginning of emotional processing that's intentional. And then I can give it space and movement We're going to talk about some specific ways to process our emotions that God offers us. And so then I'm not holding it inside my person. 
I'm not stuffing and I'm not exploding with that emotion because again, they're made to go places and they will, they'll have a life of their own if I do not also connect with them and have a life alongside of them. So what do we need to know about processing emotions now that we understand a little bit more about the why we, the, the why, mm-hmm. now the, the what and the how? Mm, right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to go over in the next four episodes after this one, four specific ways for processing. And mm-hmm. so I just want to encourage the listener to know that we're going to get to some brass tacks, if you will, of, of ideas and things that you can do. Do you think the what begins with that sensation idea? So having us bring to awareness our emotional life is really important. Our last episodes dealt with like bringing emotional foundations, right? Theological foundations and psychological foundations of what we know. Now we're talking about bringing to awareness our own emotional life and space inside of us. Um, So know that God is a place of safety for this. Oftentimes, I think this is so important. We see God as being a million things for us to do. It's really unfortunate. I think we talked about that in a different episode that so many people have a fear or anger vantage point of God, even in the Christian church. And so to know that he welcomes us to bring anything before him. And as Lutheran Christians, this is part of vantage point of confession and absolution. It's a broader idea that God invites me to him. God invites me into his presence through the mediator that is Christ Jesus so that I don't have to do this on my own. We want that to be a place of safety. And so I would avoid any kind of Christian rhetoric or especially, but even secular rhetoric that we pick up about emotions that has like heavy warnings about how I should do it or expectations connected to it. Emotions are deeply personal. And so if I'm feeling judgment when I go into this idea of emotional processing, then I it's going to be very challenging for me to process in a place of safety and and belonging. And God is the one who offers us safety and belonging. Good news, even if something is quote unquote wrong in what I'm doing, even though, you know, we'll get to why that's that would be a, a weird <laughs> concept to bring to this topic of processing emotions. There's Jesus for that. There's grace for that. Like that's something we believe in. So I would encourage the listener to really connect with that idea of grace alone when we talk about emotional processing. Yeah. Any questions about that? What are you, what, when you guys think from your perspective, what kind of concerns do you think and feel about emotional processing or what have you heard around you? I think it's something that like when we talk about emotions in general, or like I'm talking about it with my friends, I think this is kind of where the bulk of the conversation maybe lives of like how I am dealing with the stuff that I'm feeling. And I think it's helpful to put some words to this and some structure to like, okay, this is how I, this is how I process stuff. This makes Mm -hmm. sense. And this is normal. (laughs) No, that's true. Yeah. Oh, my friend or my spouse or my family member processes. And that's also okay. And like, there's a a range of how this works. And that's good. (laughs) No, that's really a good word, Sarah, that not only do we want to be at that refuge and grace alone vantage point that we want to understand that there's a, again, there's very little right and wrong here, right? That that 
especially emotions that are challenging to us. Jealousy would be one I can think of off the top of my head or bitterness or envy. These things that, I mean, certain ones, even our catechism, right? Like warns us about the dangers of understanding that processing them in particular with God, with those that love me and within my own person is, is good. That's a good work. That's different than me moving forward in my life and throwing emotions onto people, which is what happens when I don't do the processing work. And so having an emotion, and I believe this really strongly, and I think it is a little bit gray with certain things in scripture, but that emotions themselves are not sinful. Like, and I know that there's references to Jesus, you know, saying that like if a man... (laughs) commits adultery in his heart, like it's the same, right? So desire, then we connect sometimes to sinfulness. Well, we have to consider where we go with that, though. We're going to be sinners. We're going to have problematic thoughts. We're going to, knowing that that's who we are as people in a broken world with no shame, that Jesus accepts me like as valuable and also savable from that place, And then walking into being aware of that about myself should be a place of grace for me. And that's what I want people to experience. And knowing that you might experience that a little bit different than I do. And processing emotions is important to do together so we can understand different ways and different vantage points. We are talking about emotional process today for Mental Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. We will continue the conversation right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. We are taking a look at emotions and the gospel with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. Today's chapter about emotional process. So in this chapter, you mention space or distance or even metaphor. What role do they have in processing emotions? Mm, Yeah, metaphor is my favorite concept around emotions because it is, I think, one way we've been given as a gift from God that we do process emotions and other things that are personal, challenging. I would say vulnerable is probably the word we're looking for, the vulnerable things of life so that we can have a little bit of distance from them because God knows that's safe for us. That's my theory about it. I'm sure there's all kinds of psychological theories about that, but that's my theological theory is that God knows in a broken world, we need a little distance from ourselves at times in order to understand ourselves and to be able to do the work of processing and bringing ourselves before God, confession, absolution, all of those good things. And so metaphor is a little bit the way our minds naturally shape things that are challenging for us. Um, 
You'll find a lot of metaphor in my book, but you find a lot of metaphor in preaching, for instance, from pastors because spirituality is vulnerable. And so we can kind of understand how God works a little bit better through stories or through like substitute, if you will, for the like direct way of us understanding the way God works. Jesus used parables, right? That's a that's a metaphor for the kingdom of God and how it's working and how God's interacting with our lives. And so metaphors are very helpful for us too when we don't have words, like when we aren't sure what is happening inside of us, which is true for a lot of emotion because it's a, such a mixed bag. Like, am I sad? Am I jubilant? Am I anxious? Am I curious? I'm probably all those things. You know, we're experiencing multiple emotions at one time. So the metaphor helps me to be able to engage with my system in a way that I can do the processing without completely understanding myself or what's going on in my body. It helps me engage in that mystery. So for instance, we might use the metaphor of waves. Emotion is is like a wave at times, like coming at us. And sometimes those waves just lap the shore and I can feel, I can sense a little bit of that emotion. Other times things feel really still. And some of us, that's our preferred state, right? Of calm. Um, and then sometimes they feel like gigantic waves rushing over me. At times I feel like I'm drowning and I'm crying out to God in lament or confusion, loss, whatever. And so you can see how that metaphor is helpful for us in understanding our emotional life internally in a less intimidating way and also engaging in the mystery of emotions within us. So when we talk about the the processing and thinking through all of this, you mentioned in this chapter an emotional toolbox. Do I have that right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Emotional processing mm -hmm. toolbox. And I put yay exclamation points next to your sentence. It's time to build our emotional processing toolbox together. I'm very excited for this part. Uh, <laughs> what What is an emotional processing toolbox? Why is that helpful? We all need some things in our back pocket that we know that are going to help us walk through this broken world. I That's part of the safety and refuge building. It's one reason I really think that God gave us his word is so that we could have something to hold in our hands that helped us know that he's real and present and that we could step forward when the world is challenging and hard because it always is. It's always challenging and hard. And even when it's great, and so the toolbox is the same way. We build our skills, our knowledge about ourselves, our knowledge about God and who he is, and we stick those in our back pocket. So then when I do have a, a moment of emotion that's pricking at me or trying to get my attention, because that's the job of emotions to give us information, remember, that we're going to need. So whether that's like a small way where I'm in a meeting and I feel like I should say something, and so I feel emotions are feelings, right? I feel the sense of either injustice or the sense of um, excitement or the sense of curiosity, you know, then I'm going to actually say something. That's part of the emotions job. Then I know how to do that because I have some tools in my toolbox in order to listen to that emotion, to like set it alongside the Holy Spirit and to move forward. Same thing with then especially moments of overwhelm, we need our toolbox more than ever. I'm not going to be able to build a tool shed for what I need in that moment of overwhelm. I'm reliant on the things that I have readily available at the tips of my fingers that can come up from some deeply earlier done work, if you will, in my psyche and in my spiritual life. And so that's what the toolbox does. 
when we have some ideas, we've practiced these things. You know, we don't go to church just because, you know, God says we should go to church each week, although that's a great reason. We go to church because there's going to be a day we need it. And we need to have had those verses that God speaks over us in our lives again and again, because there's a day we're going to need it. And that's how the emotional toolbox works, too. And one reason I wanted to connect it to scripture for people. So building our toolbox, I gather you're going to help us do that the next few chapters, right? <laughs> it's true. We are, like I said, we're going to go over four specific ways that I found especially present in scripture, but we know from research psychologically as well that our ways humans process emotions. And I think it's so cool that God wrote this massive Bible, you know, not a tiny Bible, but a big Bible with a lot of human experience that reveals those things to us as well. And so in this chapter, first, we also identify like defense mechanisms that we use to try to keep us safe, right? Because that processing feels, again, vulnerable. And we also have a little bit of scripture, um, like some, some Psalms and other things, Second Samuel, David's experiences that we build on as well to build that toolbox so we don't feel alone in that. Like I feel connected to David as a human who's then also connected to God uniquely in his time and place. And so I can walk through these emotional processing tools because I can see an example of it from him, not because he's doing it great. We all know David's story isn't all about greatness, right? Instead, a lot of times it's about just the challenge of it. You share in this chapter about defense mechanisms, common defense mechanisms. In fact, there's a whole chart at the end of the chapter. <laughs> what are some common defense mechanisms that we employ to cope, mm -hmm. but yet can they, it, it seems they can also keep us from processing emotions? You know, with COVID, the most common one I see, well, they're, they're all really common, but the one that I really noticed, especially in the last couple of years, is projection which is us assuming an emotion that we are having onto someone else, right? And so I'm upset about something and I assume that's present in someone else. Or there's an emotion, especially that is challenging for me and those emotions that I listed earlier or that I feel like is disconnecting me from God in some way, the ones we especially interpret like towards sin, even whether that's true or not, I often will read that on to other people because I don't want to admit that that's my baggage to bear. I don't want to deal with that part of myself. Um, and so I see that a lot with anxiety, especially. There's been a lot of anxiety in our culture in the last couple of years for many different reasons. And sometimes we read anxiety in other people when it's not there. And I've seen quite a bit of that, especially parenting children, trying to parent them through all of this we've been going through in this nation. That has been something I've seen quite a bit of. It's, it's tempting instead of dealing with our own emotions to read it in someone else. I think denial obviously is a very common one. If, if I don't admit it's there, that's like you know, emotional processing problem 101 is if we just ignore it, it'll go away. <laughs> and that's why we're having this conversation, right? That's not working for us. I don't know. Did either of you notice one that stood out to you? Yeah, I definitely tend toward the humor one. <laughs> mm, that's a good one to bring up. Yeah. Yeah. One of my doctors at one point in my life was like, yeah, sometimes happy people are really hiding a whole bunch of stuff. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know me very well. Right. Well, and it's like I, I, my definition of humor as a defense mechanism is 
in the book on page 74, if everything is funny, then it can't harm or hurt us. Right? Like we we don't want, especially the broken things of the world to hurt. And so we make them funny. This is pretty much all of entertainment, right? On TV or stand-up comedians and things too. And there's value to that. The humor held alongside the challenge goes a really long way. The difference is when we're trying to replace it and keep the challenge away from our awareness for processing by putting the humor in in place of the challenge. Mm-hmm. So let's let's close this out with some scripture. You mentioned the Psalms. How can Psalms be helpful to us when we're going through this processing and, and, and help us in understanding what healthy emotional processing looks like? Absolutely. Again, Bible so descriptive of the human experience and the Psalms are an, a particularly comforting place to see that human experience. I'm just going to read this little, this one little paragraph on page 73. The book of Psalms is a great example of how humans combine emotional processing and defense mechanisms. The Psalms are full of honest reflection, telling the truth of our human condition alongside God's grace and redemption, whether in battle, in victory, or in everyday life. They also include incredible detail about the person's situation, like that detail is really helpful for us to make it kind of come alive when we read it. They talk about feelings, the defenses, which reassures us that we're not alone in our own struggles. Like we're not alone as emotional people either. And then I go on to say, consider the emotional life of King David, who wrote many of the Psalms. The Psalms is not the only emotional book of the Bible. And I think that's important, but I do think it's uniquely comforting, partly because it's a little poetic, Which again, back to that space, distance, and metaphor is helpful for us. We can hold it a little bit easier in our hands. It has a lightness to it that may not be there in a straight narrative or in something like the epistles that feels a little bit more prescriptive or telling me what to do. The Psalms very often do not come off that way for us, I think, because of their poetic nature. And so we can engage with them and begin that processing simply by sitting with them even and then bringing our own experiences to our awareness. Mental Health Monday, taking a look at emotions and the gospel this week, all about emotional process. And we'll take a look at some of those, those four, well, one of the four next week that will, those tools to add to our toolbox with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. Heidi, always great to chat with you. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.